Blog Talk Radio. Officer, 
and he and I said, "Thank goodness you're not a police officer anymore." For about 15 minutes, we went back and forth on gun control, and and their our only argument was that this isn't 1776 anymore, and we're not fighting the British. That was their only that was their only argument. That's why we don't need uh, guns. That's their only argument, and the fact that why do we have to have an AR-15? Why do I? Why do we? And the police officer said, only the police should have these weapons. Only the police and the government. Why just do just ordinary citizens have to have these types of weapons? Okay. And first of all, they're not military grade weapons. Okay. They're not assault weapons. Okay. I don't even know what an assault weapon is, but okay, that's not what it is. Because every weapon is an assault weapon, if you want to think about it. So uh, when I get got through with my point, I said, first of all, a lot of people believed in gun control. Okay. Throughout the years, and a lot of different governments. See, they, I brought it up. Uh, see, they brought up New Zealand, uh, England, Australia on gun control, and they said, we well, see they're doing just fine. Okay. And I said, well, let's, well, let me bring up some countries. Uh, let's see, Stalin. Mao, Hitler, they all believe in gun control too. Venezuela, huh? Hugo Chavez there, right? They all believe in gun control. Look how they turned out. So and they said, well, you can't compare. You can't, you can't talk about the United States. I said, you just compared other countries. So what's he, so it, they just, you just can't just have a discussion with these people. You just can't. So anyway, I might play a few small documentaries here tonight, and uh, uh, we'll start with that, and then we'll th- throw some talking points in between, try to keep them short within a couple minutes, uh, go from there. i got no scheduled guests. I'd do an off night here tonight, but uh, that, those liberals got me fired up last night, so I'm trying to put something together here, and, and uh, uh, I just, oh, they just got me fired up, man. I, but you just, these pe- there's just no common sense with these people whatsoever. There's just not. There's not. None. Zero. Zada. None. Period. When he was a boy, everything he loved, so sick, even the little Christmas, was taken from him.
All right. Yep. Ten, tenth anniversary of the greatest story never told. Uh, that's the ten years ago it came out on the internet. It's one of the greatest documentaries I've ever watched. Uh, you know, you have to look at it from a fair objective. Uh, you know, if you're going to believe everything the world has told you about history, then this documentary is not for you. You just get right in line for, with all the other zombies and sheep, and you just do whatever you whatever they tell you, and you just listen to however history has been read to you, and don't research it, don't look into it, and, uh, and you don't, you know, don't worry about it. I, I, when I watched this documentary, I thought it was pretty genuine. I've watched it about four or five times over the years, the last ten years. Uh, like I said, six and a half hours long. Uh, I, I believe it's very fair and objective. A couple points in there where they show some of the photographs, you know, I question maybe a little bit, you know, uh, but I think he pretty much, Dennis Wise, gives a, a, a pretty fair objective to the way things really played out. Um, uh, the beginning of World War II, you know, again, there's a lot of speculation of, you know, did, you know the, Pol- well, the Polish people were giving him problems. I mean, he was obviously Hitler was pushing and pushing and pushing, and, and where was the world, where was the world going to draw the line? But, again, he's, to, to align ourselves with Stalin, that was just, I, you know, Stalin was the most brutal dictator, I think, of that time, and the most disgusting leader ever. I mean, before the war even started, he killed, what, uh, over 5,000 of his officers, brutally murdered them. I mean, that was well-known world news, and and still they, Roosevelt and and uh, Winston Churchill aligned themselves with this guy. I think a deal probably could have been reached, I think, maybe. Maybe uh, there was a time, I think, uh, maybe even if the war had started, I think eventually he would have gotten beaten back, and then it could have, we could have, it could have been a deal could have been made, maybe. And probably a friendship where technology could have been shared. And, and who knows what could have been happening. You know, maybe that. You know, I don't know. I just think, though, the way it plunged into the Cold War and, and the communism that spread afterwards and 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 the, the victims of the, the aftermath, um, you know, and, and, and uh, people were saying, one person sent me a message, what about the Holocaust? But listen. You know there were there were prisoners of war. There were camps. There were there were uh, people being held. Yes, but the, but the the ruthlessness of torture. Let me explain something to you. The Allies bombed the supply lines for uh, what two three years before. Okay, those people got received no supplies. There was no supplies brought to those camps, and they were and they were you know a lot of them were were, were free to go actually, but there was nowhere for them to go. You know and. Uh, so and if disease had spread, um, so a lot of people had to be quarantined. Did were it were war crimes? Did war crimes happen? Yes, yes, they did. They and every war throughout history, war crimes happen. You think the Americans are innocent in that category? Okay, of course not. So to stop it in the chat room. Stop it with your nonsense. You know. Stop with the Holocaust crap, okay? Because the biggest song and dance, biggest violin's got to cry for the, you know, stop it with that, okay? Because a lot of other atrocities happened too. A lot of other people were murdered. The, the Polish, the Poles, how they were murdered in atrocities. Uh, Caton there, uh, the uh, the atrocities happened there. I mean, the, I mean, just so don't go, no, please stop. You know, I mean, there's so many other atrocities that happen, and it's always the Holocaust, always Holocaust, 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 Holocaust. That's all you hear about. You know, it's just like the Civil War, Civil War, slavery, slavery, slavery. 
that's not, the, you know, again, do your research on history. Understand history. Understand what happened. That's a lot of the reasons why we're in the position we're in today. Because of our misinterpretation of history and the facts that are not told the right way. Because the winner always writes what happened. You know, writes the narrative. And, and, and true history isn't written. So therefore, we only get one side. I mean, if you were to, if you go, like, let's take, we'll stick on World War II for a minute here. If you take the memoirs of German soldiers, the diaries of them, and you, and you read them, which there's available, so a lot of them, if, you know, and uh, if you've got a translator, uh, it, you'll get a whole different version of how the war happened. happened. You know, so, I mean, they admit being beaten down and, 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 and lost a question, a lot of it questioned, questioned why they were doing what they were doing, but, but, they, but it's a different version of what you would see in the movie theater, okay? So, so knock it off there in the chat room. I'm not in the chat room, not in the chat room. He's not in the chat room. He's on my Facebook here. Sorry, guys. If anybody's looking for him in the chat room, he's not there. So, he's... In case you want to combat this stupidity, well, you know, look the Holocaust and everything. Look, I'm not saying the Jews did not suffer during World War II. I'm not saying that. So don't even put words in my mouth. They did. They did. Okay? But you also had 100,000 of them that did fight for Hitler, too. Believe it or not. And not against their will, either. So don't go there. All right? So let's not get into a big thing about World War II here tonight. But as far as... Uh, History's going now. Look at Ukraine. Well, I've done the books here. I try to keep up with what's going on. Look at the Gulf War. A lot of what happened. Do you remember the supposed Kuwaiti woman that got up on TV and said, put the babies on the floor. They took them out of the incubators and put them on the floor and left them to die. The Iraqi soldiers, remember that? Per Saddam Hussein's orders, remember that? Anyone remember that? That was a 15-year-old American actor. Never happened. Never happened. That never happened. And the president even quoted that in one of his speeches, that, thing that, that, that incident that happened. One of the main reasons to sway public opinion, to get in war, go to war. Why would we want to go to war so badly for? Why? Be, well, again, we're not going to get into specifics here on everything, but, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason behind it, and, and trust me, democracy was not one of them, <laughs> okay? So, straighten up, smarten up. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, but, but people believe this. This is the narrative that we have of it. But anyway, last night we just talked to you here, this, this, these zombies, these, uh, these progressive liberal scumbags, and that's what they are, they're liberal scumbags. And uh, and I'm going to resort to what they do, and that's what we need to start to need, start really need to do start doing. We need to start making them feel uncomfortable, unwelcomed, everywhere we go. And don't break the law. I'm not going to. I don't not condone violence or any type of anything like that. But stick within the means of the law. Okay, wink, wink. At, you know, whatever you can be creative at what you know to do. But make them feel uncomfortable. Make their opinions and their ways of belief uncomfortable. We don't accept them. We don't accept transgenders. We don't accept them competing in women's teams. We don't expect. We don't accept drag queen contests or drag queen storylines being told to our children in our community. We don't accept it. We don't want it. We don't like it. And we're not going to tolerate it. Period. We're going to stand up, and we're going to stand up against this stuff. 
We're not going to allow it in our communities. We're going to band together, we're going to come together, and we're going to rise up, and we're going to stand up against this filth, this disgustingness, this perversion, this filthy, rotten, disgusting way of life that they are promoting to our children. They are filthy, rotten, despicable. It's distasteful, it's disgusting, homosexual. They're disgusting, filthy, rotten people. You are filth. That is filthy, rotten nastiness right there. Lay with another man. It wasn't my choice. I was born that way. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You decided to make that choice. If you were born that way, it was because you were born a retard then. Okay? Simple as that. Not because you made a choice. Rejects. Unbelievable. We're not going to have this. And then cutting your penis off and trying to become a woman. It's like Fox News having Caitlyn Jenner on there. Okay, Bruce Jenner. Matter of fact, why am I calling Caitlyn Jenner? It's Bruce Jenner. That's the name he was given. Bruce Jenner. Not Caitlyn Jenner. Okay? Bruce Jenner up there on Fox News. <laughs> you know him, Sean? They're all some best friends. Everybody's best friends with him now. Up there, you know? Him. You know, and, 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 you know, look. We don't work with you. We don't want to work with you. No, we don't work with you. Transgenders. We don't work with those types of people. We don't want them. I don't want them in my foxhole next to me. I don't want them nowhere near me. I don't want them gay. Look, why would you want him anyway? Look, I mean, he has a, look, if you have a gay person around you, he's he's undressing you with his eyes. He's a sick pervert. He's a rapist. He's a pedophile. He's disgusting, man. He wants to have sex with another man. It's not normal. You don't see animals doing it. It's not normal. It's mental. They have a mental problem. They're nuts, whacked in the head. Come on, man. We don't want them in our society. We don't want them. Right? Right, people? Come on, man. Let me take my private caller here. Go ahead, private caller. Yeah, Joe, uh, I got a couple of things that uh, experience with those folks you talked about. Uh, I'd like to explain <laughs> my, I'd like to uh, recite or recount my experiences with them. But before I do, uh, in, in, in just to remark upon what you said about The Greatest Story Never Told, a book that you might find really interesting. I know you want to read this book if you haven't heard of it. It's called Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War, How Britain Lost Its Empire and the West Lost the World by Patrick J. Buchanan, who, by the way, is a great historian. And yeah, you Pat, agree oh, with Patrick Buchanan, yeah, I voted for him, actually. Yeah. Yeah, whether you agree with his conclusions, I had lunch with him one time. It was really, uh, it was really enjoyable. We had an hour-long discussion about history and the Second World War, and, man, it was Yeah, he's a smart guy. Very smart. Yeah, he's a smart he's really, guy. I don't really agree with all his policies, but but uh, he's a smart guy. No, but anyway, he wrote in the book. He makes the case that if it weren't for the blunders of people like Churchill, he put Churchill first and foremost in his opinion. The uh, two world wars and the Holocaust might have been avoided, and the British Empire might not have collapsed in a, re- in a, in a ruin. And this is what he says are the primary cause. He gets four of them. The secret decision of a tiny cabal in the inner cabinet in 1906 to take Britain straight to war against Germany should she invade France. 
The vengeful Treaty of Versailles that mutilated Germany, leaving her bitter, betrayed, and receptive to the appeal of Adolf Hitler. Britain's capitulation at Churchill's urging to American pressure to sever the Anglo-Japanese alliance, insulting and isolating Japan, pushing her onto the path of militarism and conquest. And finally, the greatest mistake in British history, the unsolicited war guarantee to Poland of March 1939, ensuring the Second World War. Now, it's full of footnotes, references, and everything else. You can agree with it or not, but I, if you start to read it, I'm sure you'll find it fascinating. I can't recommend it to you more highly because it is another way to look at it, and uh, m- much of his historical research is pretty much not disputed. It's his take on it that might be. So, anyway, you okay. ought to take a look at it. But anyway, back to these, these two. I think you're talking about Jerry Williams. Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, you know I had show. an encounter with him and his co-host, man. Yeah, now, yeah. At first, and it was about gun control. And at first they were reasonable. They let me cite my, make my case, and they listened to my arguments about the facts and figures because I was refuting the things I heard them say. And I was making the argument with facts and figures, reason, logic, the Constitution, the law, tradition, history, everything else. You know, I know I can do that pretty good, and I did it. Yeah. And when they realized... They didn't have any effective rejoinder to anything I had to say other than invective. That's when they turned loose the invective. They even got to the point where the woman there, I, I don't know if you could deal with this woman they got on is really unpleasant. I mean, oh, she's yeah, a, yeah, she's a, a miserable bitch, yeah. A yeah. genuine harpy. There's all, no other way to describe her. She, she, engaged, she started talking about gun owners were actually compensating for the sexual in, the inadequacies. Yeah, uh, yeah, she, she really mentioned that to me there. last night. Yep, she did. Wow, yeah, she mentioned yeah, the same thing. Yep. She did that with me. And then to, to top it off, here's the kicker. This is the kicker. After having absolutely no effective rejoinder to any of my arguments, I made my point about crime, where it's concentrated, what the actual weapons that are being used in homicides are. I gave the facts, figures, the references. I gave everything. And I know a lot about the subject. I gave him every reference I knew. Even the, even the guy who wasn't as bad as the woman, I mean, he had a modicum of sense, and only a modicum, I might add. He was forced to concede that all I was saying was correct, because if he was a police officer, he was probably familiar with most of what I was saying. So it wasn't yep. much of an arg- argument with him on the factual ground, just on the fact that he doesn't like the idea of guns being abandoned to private citizens. But eventually they got to calling me, get this. I'm probably a white supremacist, and I really hate <laughs> I swear to God, man, that's what they wound up. The harpy, the woman harpy started it, and the other guy just kind of chuckled and went along with it. It was really, you know, you know what I'd like to do, Joe? What I'd like to do is, is maybe you challenge him to a, uh, 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 you know, this, I, I mean, shits and grins, right? I mean, I yeah, probably yeah. won't accept they ain't probably got no guts. But challenge them to uh, uh, either your show or their show where we both agree on who the moderator is going to be. And the there moderator will give time response, you and me, against her and him. And there we go, go on to on gun control. Now, if you could set it up, I'll be all for it. Just as long okay. as we can agree upon them, because it's got to be moderated because they will not allow. Once they yeah, realize yeah, they're out, yeah. they will they not won't. allow fair discussion. They wouldn't do it. But I'd like to do it because, man, every single thing they said I could factually refute, and I mean everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And they provide no facts. I told you a long time ago, Joe, 
The reason I became a conservative was because of the gun control issue, and none of it matched up what I was seeing on the ground when I became a cop. And I told this guy that. I said, I used to be a liberal. I used to be a big gun yep. grabber. And the reason you know what I, I threw out there, Sarge? Well, Sarge, since you were like that, listen, since you were like that at one time, now if you were just say if you were maybe with those same standard of beliefs now, let me ask you this, and we got another caller here, I'm going to connect you here in one second, on screen, on live here, one second. If, just say for instance, if you propose, everyone proposed this, okay, they want, don't like these AR-15s and any semi-automatic rifles or whatnot. Okay, let's just say the police give them up, society gives them up, and the military gives them up, but the military has access to them as long as the citizens can have access to them at the same time what would what would everybody say to that it wouldn't work but i'm just saying you know and these are the types of arguments that are people are throwing out there <laughs> oh this is not this is not really a rational response to the, the it's ridiculous not. it's not they spew. i mean it's not they, there is no there is no arguing with they, they simply don't want you to have them they think the second amendment is an anachronism if it ever had any validity in the first place and yeah. so you know you know situations and times don't adapt to the law, which they have, I mean, we know we're not fighting the British anymore, but we're fighting, no, we know. could be fighting the equivalent of the British, or worse, and Sarge, the point of the matter is, Sarge, Sarge, let me connect this other caller here, I got another caller here that can wait a little bit, go ahead there, private caller, what's on your mind? Well, good evening, good evening, well, first things first, uh, very interesting hearing from Sarge about, like, the, the British revisionism on history is amazing because at this point that little itty bitty island that for some reason thought that the empire would last forever when as we all know every empire has a clock it's as soon as your empire starts you can kind of start the clock to the ending of it so there was just no way the British empire was going to extend longer than what it was this was like the natural occurrence that was just going to happen uh, despite all of their wishes and dreams about, well, if Churchill had only done this or if they had only done that, that's how that was going to end regardless. Right? So, you know, sometimes you got to take away a little bit of that fantasy stuff that makes people feel good. Uh, then the second point, Joseph, I heard your debate with uh, Liberal Dan one night. And I got to say, Joseph, he, he was kind of giving you hell that night, man. I, I don't know, man. He, he, he said you were prepared, but I don't know, bro. And man, uh, kind of which one did you hear? Yeah. Which one did you hear and, now? Uh, I've been on there several times. Ah, damn. I can't tell you which one. This was months and months ago, man. Those oh, okay, okay. All it was right. like an open forum. You had a moderator okay. and everything. But, but, okay. Uh, and, and then lastly, I, I, you know, lastly, I do got to say this. Last time me and Sarge spoke, we were having a conversation about guns and all this other stuff and mass shootings. And I told Sarge, I said, look, man. You set your watch to it. There's going to be another one within seven days. You know that there was a mass shooting the very next day after Sarge argued with me down about how it wasn't that important. Anyway, how you guys doing? We're doing all right. By the way, I told you that I believe mass shootings are inevitable, did I not? It's not a matter of if it's only a matter of when. There'll be another one, um, Naj. I guarantee to be another whoa, one, not whoa, too whoa, long. Whoa, 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 don't try to take my... Pro- <laughs> don't try to no, take I my mean, you're leaving that part out. I didn't dispute it. <laughs> what I'm trying to make. I didn't dispute no, what you were saying. Understood. You're probably right. Right. But well, what's your point on the gun control? Well, I, 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 I mean, what's your stance on the gun control issue, if you don't mind me asking? What do you think the solution should be? 
uh, the solution is to actually search for a solution. So I've got different things that I think would work, same as a million other people got different things they think would work. But Sarge's position is this is a principal issue. You can't move forward on it because any movement will lead to a slippery slope of the erosion of rights and government tyranny. I disagree. I think you guys' position is, is I, I, I think it's not fluid enough for today's world. So that's where I think you guys are wrong. But do I have the answer, capital A? No, but I do have answers. Who knows if they're viable? Okay, well, well, you can't say our answers aren't any good if you don't, you know, offer some sort of uh, comeback or. No, or, well, no, or, hard, hard say. I've got a, I got a bunch of them. I'm, I'm just saying I don't know if they, if they would actually work because we haven't instituted them, so I can't claim that. Hey, if no, you just okay, this, okay, this, this, everything will work. You see what I mean? Well, what would you? I'm curious. What? what I never heard them. Well, tell me. We got oh, time. Well, how about this? We ask him about the single most contentious issue of all. And let's see what he thinks with regards to that, and then we can move on to other things. Because there's one paramount issue over and above all else that continually recurs and is often unstated by the people who want more gun control, and that is some form of gun confiscation and or ban. Now, no, this always a, is often unstated by guy. the gun controls. We cloak it in terms like gun safety and gun safety laws, when in actuality, what they're advocating is some form of confiscation and or banning. Yeah, so I not only don't take that position, I take that position as the more dangerous one. Matter of fact, I would say the people who are most likely to be uh, punished by a law like that and the people most likely to be uh, given heavy sentences and treated as the, the real problem of it are black people. So I would never be for that. So, no, I'm not for gun confiscation. Now, see how we just told that? That's great. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we can talk about Look, other things. So to now we're not talking about gun no. confiscation or bans. No. Okay, no, good. We're talking about regulation. We're talking about figuring out if someone is mentally fit and what criteria should put you on a list to where you aren't mentally fit. Those are the things I would do. All right, and, so what would be your criteria? What would be the criteria that you would suggest that would make, just so let's say you say I'm mentally unfit, I have post-traumatic stress disorder, would that make me mentally unfit, I mean? I think so, yeah. <laughs> why? I mean, why? Because, <laughs> why, <do you> <laughs> why? what's your reasoning? Well, no, no, of course, of course, like any other case, you'd have to look at it on an individual basis. So you okay, kind of have yeah. what I what I would call, you know, a, a slate to figure out, okay, where are the parameters of where you want to attack it, but it can't be like a one-all catch, like one, you know, one-size-fits-all thing. So, no, I'm not saying But that's what will happen. I thought that was, that's I thought what that will was to have an outburst that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but man, that's what, what will happen. And reason prevails, so does Sarge's reason, okay? Well, outburst in moments of irrationality and superstition. Sarge missed his last I, show I, I did I'll on Tuesday. Sarge missed last there, show. We, we called Diane Feinstein's office live on this show, and one of her uh, constituents answered, and they openly stated that Ms. Feinstein is searching in, or for a co-sponsor right now as we speak for gun confiscation. So, so that's what I, you I said. That's what they you. said. Do, do you think it's – hold on, hold on. Do you guys think it's elderly abuse to call Feinstein's office when – Basically, she's being led around by her aides, and they're trying to figure out a way well, to teach to retire her right now. she should resign. If yes. calling yeah, which her I think office she should be doing. amounts to elder abuse, then that is the prime reason for her to leave office. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think she should. I think she will. Do you guys think Mitch is going to leave? As wrong as headed as he is, all his facilities are basically there. So, I mean, physically, now if he's got physical ailments, that's minute, another matter. I think physical ailments can be worked around. Look at John Fetterman. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, I don't think Mitch McConnell's as bad off as John Fetterman is. Hmm, I don't know. We'll have to see, man. It, you know, the mood is Look, if he was a paraplegic like Roosevelt or a quadriplegic, it would be entirely possible for him to go in the Senate and represent his constituency, as long as his mind is sharp. Stephen Hawking didn't do a bad job from his wheelchair, did he? So I think it's entirely possible. What the problem is is your mental acuity. When your mental acuity diminishes to the extent that apparently Feinstein's has and Joe Biden has, therein lies the problem. Oh, so if he can True. say woman, man, camera, then you're okay with it. I got it. Uh, so yeah, another quick I question. Think, uh, how, I think how that much, is rather uh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Given, given what they said uh, about sure Donald Trump's inability. <laughs> I think it's rather impressive, actually. Can Joe yeah, Biden oh, hold do on, it? Hold on, hold on. Can really? Joe Biden I, I do it? I think he can. I think he can. I don't think he can. So, so, no, I don't so think another he can. question. I'd like okay. to see him try. Okay. I know Trump, Dan, because he did it. I got you. I watched him do it. I got you. So relax, relax. How much do you think a Supreme Court seat should be uh, worth as far as buying? How much a Supreme Court seat? <laughs> I, don't I don't think know. it should I've be worth it. I've never bought one. I've never bid, so I have no idea. Yeah. Well, well how, much do you think how much do you think as to everyone that a Supreme Court seat goes for about $5 million, including uh, cash and property and other benefits, especially vacation benefits? Are you guys okay So wait a minute. I know you're trying to bring up Clarence Thomas now, aren't you? You know, you know, I'm prepared for I, you on this one. <laughs> I'm a little ignorant on this one now. What's going on, Clarence Thomas? Make your best case, Naj. Oh, I'm you don't know, Joe? No, I don't. I'm a little ignorant on this, so somebody's got to yeah, tell yeah, me what's man, going so on man, here. Let him make so, his best so, case. Let him make his best case about why okay. uh, Donald, uh, Clarence Thomas ought to be impeached, remove him office, and send him to exile. Okay, so Joe, since you didn't hear about it, so this week. Uh, through investigative reporting, we found out that there's a billionaire founder, uh, member of the Federalist Society, a uh, member of multiple conservative think tanks, very wealthy man, who has been paying for vacations across the globe on his yacht for one Mr. Thomas. And also, his law firm actually has things that have been adjudicated by the Supreme Court that Clarence sits on. Then everybody got mad. They said, well, you know, smoking gun, but it's not everything. So we waited a day. And the next day, we get a deed to the property of Clarence Thomas's mother that <laughs> this man bought the property for three times the market value and has been sitting on it ever since. And he's now claiming that he's going to make a museum for Clarence and his family. <laughs> and that's why he bought the property. Oh, I forgot. Clarence never declared that he sold the property or received the funds, but his name is on the bill of sale. So, how much is the Supreme Court seat worth? That's why I asked. Okay. Well, what do you think, Sarge? Yeah. Uh, are you, so, you're saying that should, uh, Clarence Thomas has an ethical conflict. And by the way, no case involving either this gentleman or any of his properties or organizations has ever come before the Supreme Court 
while uh, Clarence Thomas was on the on the court. Get on political today, Sarge. Uh, that's actually untrue. Uh, okay, well, what case? Give me the specific case. Give me the no, specific case right other than a generalized so thing having to do with tax interest that can affect any taxpayer or something like that. One that specifically pertains to this gentleman or his holdings. Yeah, so again, you can pull up that bombshell from Politico today and read the story. And I've already seen it. I want you to tell me what is the connection between <laughs> him and, Jen, and, and Clarence Thomas sitting on the bench with a case involving this gentleman specifically for which he should have recused himself from hearing the case. Okay, so they've got five cases that they say there's a strong connection because his law firm brought the cases forward. And this was during the period where he was going on these vacations with Clarence. And the idea is there's an expectation of quid pro quo there, uh, not only because of the, the benefit of the payoff, but because of how close these, uh, these cases are intertwined to the Federalist Society and his law firm. So, again, it's all there. You can read it yourself. You know yeah, well, I don't trust, I don't but, trust uh, the political well, very much. Trust me. No, I don't, don't trust him. Uh, no, and and uh, I, I, look, I understand that. Uh, I, I thought you were going to bring up the thing about the trips, but I guess you're not going to bring that. Are you? Or do you, or do you intend yeah, to bring that up? I already brought huh? it up. So I just want to listen. I already oh, brought okay, it up. Well, okay. Well, you do realize that uh, the federal judiciary did not change its rules on accepting hospitality gifts until after. Clarence Thomas had accepted those hospitality gifts. There wasn't a requirement for him to disclose them. What the, I mean, look what at the chronology of the wife. thing, Sorry. and look at when Sorry, the uh, I, federal hold, judiciary hold changed the rules on that. I hate to, I hate to see you fumbling around like this, Sarge. So I'm not fumbling around about it. I mean, the, the numbers are there. The dates are there. When he accepted yeah, so the gift, as a, as a, and when the and when on. the federal judiciary changed I'm, I'm the rules, guess, by the man. way, don't even apply to the Supreme Court. But I'm, I'm just guess, saying when Sarge, they did. You, you got to relax. I'm a guest. Hold, hold on. You're a fan of history. So what did Caesar say about his wife? And I think we can say the same thing Wait, about what the Supreme Court. What did he say about Court, what? Though. What did he say about what? So what did Julius Caesar say about his wife? Oh, okay. at her trial. <laughs> yeah, okay. you get my point. Well, the I think, guys, I think be above suspicion, and the same thing applies to a Supreme Court justice. I see. Even, but you even want to impeach him for that? The, even, even though I he has realized he rules, flaws, or ethics, or conduct, you want to impeach him for that? Yeah? I think these are all side issues. I think it's off you know? the table or put it on the table. I'm not sure which. That's why I'm asking. Sarge, I'm just I, I'm just wrapping my hands. I haven't put the gloves on yet. We ain't talking about impeachment. Let, let's let's slowly get there. Let's Hold talk on. about the state of who's going to fix this country and what, what leadership we need. Because right now, let's look at with the Federal Reserve. Just real quick, let me read this quick thing for uh, you. The, 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 the dollar collapse. Well, you, if you don't want to, we should check this out. The strong-skinned man who can handle any argument. You're running away from this. No, 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 but I, I think this is the most important maybe issue that we're facing. Well like. on it. I mean, I'm ready to take you on about it, but it is Joe's show, but maybe Joe's the one to Go ahead, you two can go at it. Go ahead. You guys are doing pretty good. I just don't think that that's what we need to be talking about, but if you guys think this is the most important now, issue, go right ahead. The prospect of the United States losing the dollar as reserve currency would lead to a huge drop in the United States standard of living if that ever comes to yes. fruition. 
That is yes. enormously more important. Yeah. Thomas so can, can, I, can I give my patriotic commentary for the day on this? Yeah, because sure, go I ahead. People get this, my guess. Sure. People, sure. people get this dangerously wrong. So first things first, the U.S. dollar is not only the highest traded commodity on earth, but it's also the highest stored commodity on earth. Every major nation in the world has hundreds of millions of U.S. dollars in their central bank. Why? Because when it comes down to it, if you can't make certain trades or acquire certain things with your own currency, you're going to use the dollar. And then when you need a lender of last resort, you're going to buy government T-bills. And guess what? You ain't buying them from Venezuela. You're buying them from America. The dollar is not crashing. It's not going anywhere. Stop letting these people scare you on Facebook. Uh, the dollar is strong and firm, and of course, that's because it's protected by the Marines. Facebook does not scare me when Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, which collectively make up the largest the in, uh, GDP yes. in the world, when they are discussing an alternative to the dollar as a reserve currency. Now, I don't believe it will happen overnight, but the fact that they are doing it is bound to... Uh, uh, weaken speculation on a dollar, and if and when it was to happen over time, all those dollars that you point out, the hundreds of billions of dollars held overseas are going to come where? Back to the United States. That will cause a little phenomenon known as inflation. So it's not Facebook okay, so that says this. Let's, let's it let's, is let's those do. nations themselves that have announced it. They don't want a dollar that is subject. They don't want a currency that is subject to arbitrary sanction by the United States because the United States doesn't like some policy they're pursuing, or the United States prints so many of them they become worth less. All right. So so let's deal with that. So the BRICS nations, the biggest and strongest, most powerful nation within the BRICS nations, is who? China, who does not allow outside investment into their country. And the other thing is, do you want to actually look at China's books and believe them about the, the value? Well, one-third of, of U.S. Treasuries, one-third of U.S. Treasuries are owned no, by, owned no, by no, foreigners, no. over $8 trillion in bonds, actually. If foreign, yeah, you know, that's, that's just that's not that's, China. Hold, hold on, Joe, Joe, hold on. That's a good thing. But, but think about what I'm saying with the BRICS nations. Other nations aren't going to use China as a reserve currency because China is not transparent. China is not open about what their economy actually has, what it does, what their, dollar, what their dollars actually worth. China is a bad partner in that sense. Uh, for trading import and export, they're wonderful. But when it comes to their currency, they keep a tight lid on everything that's going on. And as we all know, even your boy 45 accused them of this, they manipulate their own market. So let's move on to the other part. You just said a lot of countries have U.S. debt. You know why? Because it's the best currency to have debt of. And what, what does it mean when a country buys your debt, when you buy government bills from a country, from a foreign country? It means the money you spent on those T-bills, in order for you to make a profit or at least a return on your investment, they have to mature. mature. So you can't move those bills until they mature. Now, if you think China or anybody else who's holding U.S. T-bills makes a threat and says, ah, we're tired of you guys and we're, we're going to sell all our T-bills at a loss and bankrupt our own country to hurt you. Like, no, that's not how that's going to happen. So, yeah, always remember, every country's debt is somebody else's asset. And <laughs> there, there would be no problem with China and anybody else. Wait a minute, now, no, 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 March. 
they are, they wait a minute, March. Now, hold on now. They already undercut I mean, their exports. Do you think they wouldn't? They don't have to. They don't have to unload all of their T bills to have a negative effect on the American economy. They only have to unload a portion of it. They are already doing that with their trade policies. They don't sell their goods at their value. They're selling them the corner markets. And they're willing to in let late March, in late March, Saudi Arabia announced an economic advantage. I will bet you they'd be willing to let their people suffer the cost just to get the advantage. In late March, Saudi, Saudi Arabia look, announced it will price oil in Chinese yen. Yeah, as, as they should, because Saudi Arabia at this point is looking at the U.S. like, wait a minute, you guys are a bad partner. That's why you're getting the oil issues and everything else with the Saudis. That's why Biden went over there with his begging bowl last year. Uh, <laughs> they're looking at the rest of the world and trying to expand because the Saudis openly don't want anybody exploring green energy or next, or next century technology when it comes to energy because what? They're the kings of oil. So, okay. you know, it is what it is. Well, Nash, tell me something. Nash, Nash, why is it go that go. these economic sanctions didn't have that much of an economic effect on Russia? Here's the reason why, because the Russian economy isn't because based on derivative credit swaps. The, the Russian economy the isn't market. based on derivative credit swaps. It's based on stuff they manufacture and sell, things people want, like oil, like refrigerators, like stuff like that. They actually they make things, Yay, commodities. Yes and no. They don't have yes, it. Yes they no. don't have an income based on economic manipulation and hedge fund trading. Okay? Well, that's I mean, why that, it didn't have an effect on them. That's, that's why the ruble sure. is stronger is now. That's why their GDP is growing. No, 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 no. It's actually a They still want, they still, they the still do dollar. rely on U.S. dollars. And what, yeah, what right, right. part of their economy that is affected by U.S. dollars, they don't want to be arbitrarily controlled at the whims of a potato head who is holding his corrupt uh, allegiance to Ukraine. Because they got a hold on him because he's compromised. Why isn't the liberals yeah, so, really so, upset about this? Oh, Why aren't oh, liberals oh, really oh, upset oh, about oh, this, oh, this aspect? Listen, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Listen, why aren't the liberals bringing this issue up? Ocasio-Cortez is worth $30 million. $30 million. A poor bartender after two and a half years in Congress is worth $30 million. What's going on here? Yeah, that would be that would be hold on, hold on. That would be the corruption process of the US system where you oh. either get down or lay down as they say. So you come into the oh. system, they sit you down the first day and say, "Okay, now you need to dial for dollars for re-election." First day elected, you're going to sit there and dial for dollars. Then after that, if you want to be on the committees that are important, guess what? The big donors have to like you. And if the big donors don't like you, you don't get on those committees. What did AOC say? She wouldn't vote for that, uh, that, that funding to Israel. What did she do? She voted for it. What did she say? She was going to be against that uh, police uh, bill that, that gave more money to the police, that blue line bill, and she was, what did she end up doing? Voting for it. But I guess she cried on the floor, so people should be sensitive about it. <laughs> Joe, I, I think you made a mistake in assuming I was a liberal. Joe, I'm much worse. I'm on the left, so you're not really going to be able to get any liberal stuff. But let, let's go back to the previous point, though, man. Uh, when we talk about the Saudis and everybody else, like we spent so much time after World War II as a, you know, living in a mono superpower world, dude, that's just going to change. There's going to be multiple world powers now. China, India, these other nations are going to have a say in how the world works. And yes, we're going to lose a little bit of market share, a little bit of influence, but that's kind of natural. 
one superpower was the unnatural thing that we were able to get away with that for so long. So, you know, why are we surprised? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, change isn't inevitable, Nas. That's not my point. My point is, is that what may happen to the dollar as the world's reserve currency and commensurately our standard of living may also be inevitable, but Joe Biden's policies are accelerating them wildly. So in other words, they don't get time. One, the sanctions on Russia. Number two, the, what, what he's doing with China and with uh, uh, not uh, coming up with fair trade policies. The inflation, particularly the inflationary aspect, 10% inflation, up from less than 2% inflation during the Trump administration. All of these things are accelerating the process toward this BRICS world standard currency. Okay, so first thing, you, I asked you for specifics. And, and you again, said, I didn't say, I, I didn't, it's not like I don't think it's not likely to happen, Naj. I'm not denying the uh, onrush of history. What I'm trying to explain to you is is that it's unnecessarily being accelerated while, without us being to take measures to mitigate its impact slowly. Biden is accelerating yeah, and, and, it by these stupid policies. Yeah, so, so let's explore that because I think you're getting away with a lot here by saying Biden's policies. So, for one, the, the issue with Russia, no matter what, was you wanted to isolate Russia, add more NATO members, and also be able to sell oil and gas to the EU. You wanted to take a little bit of their market share. So that's in play, and that's Biden or, Biden or Trump was in office. That was going to happen. That part of foreign, foreign policy doesn't matter about the president. That was going to happen regardless. As far as inflation, that's a global issue. Inflation is all over the globe. Why? Because companies lost a lot of money during the pandemic, and people are a little risk-averse now, and they're being careful about things, and supply chains were broken. Hell, me and you talked about this years ago, Sergeant. We were like, look, if you're going to depend on another nation for essentials, when things go bad, you're fucked. And, and we saw that with PPE being made in China and everything else. So now nations are rethinking some of their supply chain issues and some of this globalization stuff for essential things, is going to go away. Countries are going to produce them themselves. Naj, I don't see how it's possible we're going to overtake Europe's oil production when Joe Biden is cutting it back in every lift. We can't even refill our strategic petroleum reserve, for God's sake. We're not going to be able to take oh, over could. the vacuum in Russia with we these could. policies that Biden is creating. They are counterproductive to that end. We could if we wanted to. The problem is, uh, well, not Saudi with Joe Biden blocking away. Yes, we could easily do it if Trump was still there. Come on. Come Joe Biden on. is sitting in office. He has expressed on, policies that are openly hostile to further oil exploration, drilling, and production. All right, so, so let's do this. Let's do the oil thing again because you're going to the oil. So once again, we, the United States, no matter how much we wanted to drill, no matter how much we wanted to pump, cannot affect the price of oil globally. Is that true or untrue? Oh, that's not true. No, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Okay. I mean, we had, we literally had energy independence because under Trump, we were a net exporter of oil as opposed to a net importer of oil. We exported be careful, be careful. more oil than we consumed. And we were not now even careful, at oil and natural gas energy production. So that's okay. not first true. If the United States well, well, was to ramp up to the maximum its potential for oil production, we would have an infinitely greater effect on the world price of oil than OPEC and Venezuela combined. 
Yeah, that, that's insane. Okay, so first no, thing no, first, if you don't get credit. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you oh, what right. the numbers well, are. Well, let me, I've seen let me tell you what. I can't remember right now, but I can get them for you. And if you look, if okay, you believe in mathematics, so yes, we can make more oil so than OPEC and Venezuela combined. Okay, so get them so I can respond. So first things first, if you're going to do the we ramped up oil production, then you know you got to give I that credit to Barack Obama because he initiated that movement. So if that's what you want to go to, that's who you got to give that credit to. Now, second thing. I ain't giving yes, him credit The statement I made about... Okay, the statement I made about the U.S. not being able to affect world price of, of oil or gas is true because Saudi Arabia's monopoly is so vast and so strong, like you can damn near stick a straw in the sand and draw oil in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so no matter what, when they choose to pump or they choose to put, turn off the spigot, that's going to determine the price. So if we just decided we were going to pump all day, pump all day, pump all day, get all the oil we could, and the Saudis just sat on their oil, Guess what happens? The price doesn't move like we wanted it to. Matter of fact, it moves in the opposite direction because, I'm sorry, you're not going to win a cocaine fight against Pablo Escobar. That's kind of how that works with oil in Saudi Arabia, man. So no matter how much we want to affect that price, you just can't beat them in that one aspect, and that would be oil. Okay. So you're saying that I'm we I'm sure there's a okay. neighborhood drug dealer who thinks he can beat Pablo Escobar, but good luck with that. Well, you let your competition take him out then. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you let your competition take him out then. We've done it before. We've done it before. Uh, you know? So the interesting thing is your boy uh, in Saudi Arabia, who we kind of helped push in place, MBS, supposedly gave $2 billion to Jared and Trump. That hasn't even come up yet as far as his cases. Are you guys worried? No. No, it's not good. I, I'm not worried. How about you, Sarge? What's that? Worried about what? Sarge went to sleep. <laughs> no, worried about what? Uh, we, we're talking about uh, MBS, the leader of Saudi Arabia, and the $2 billion he gave to Jared and Trump. Is that going to be a problem for Trump? Oh, Look, okay. I'm not, I'm yeah, not we're hysteric gonna about this, Sarge. Yeah, okay. Look, Eugene what Debs, did he do to get the $3 billion? Eugene Debs ran for president while he was in jail. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is the $2 billion for, Nash? Ah, hard to say. They said investment. They, gave, they just gave him $2 billion for what? His pretty face or for arranging and brokering some agreements in the Middle East? Hmm, that's going to be interesting because now you're making Yeah, I, I just want to know what it is you think he got this money for, for nothing? Well, for selling it's your claim that Donald it was for... You think he got it for selling it for to Donald Trump? I don't know, bro. You got to tell me. Oh, you don't know. We just do it out there, right? <laughs> okay. Well, it, it so we have to have an investigation about it. In the meantime, we got an investigation that's found out the Hunter Biden, the Biden family uh, crime syndicate has gotten millions of dollars in unforgivable loans from Chinese uh, nationals associated with Chinese Communist Intelligence and the Chinese Communist Party. We know this. It's not speculation. So bring Yet it nothing is campaign being done viol- about it. Campaign finance violation. Bring it forward. We know they got diamonds. No they got, they're getting diamonds. They're getting uh, payouts from widows of Moscow mayors. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars in connection with the Burisma thing. Now we just had the White House stenographer speak about how the Bidens lied to us about not knowing anything about Hunter Biden and the Burisma connection as he was taking steno notes on the White House uh, Air Force, too. 
I mean, all this is coming out, but no, we're going to worry about what Jared Gusher did with no evidence whatsoever. No, no, no. No, no, no. Think think about what just happened right now. You just said you think Biden violated this, this, and this. No, I know he did. The only thing is we know he did. We know he did. We know he did. We know he stole this loan. You know he did. I got you. Okay, so... He should be brought to trial. He should have to face those charges. Yeah, but it's Jared Gusher. Attorney General, you well, know oh, that's oh, not oh, going oh. to happen. Hold on, hold on. Ed Guilty, he should go to jail. Now, I told you about Jared, Jared Kushner and Trump getting $2 billion from Saudi Arabia, and you immediately moved to, well, well, well what did they do? Well, what is the point? I asked you, you what it was for, and I told you, you what Biden got his money for. You still ain't told me what Kushner got the money for. What did he get the money for? Dude. I mean, if he got the money legally, there's no oh, case. If he got it illegally, there what is a case. What is the illegal evidence for illegality in the money that he got? No sitting president can take foreign investment from another sitting president. Like, come on, dude. This is okay, where is the evidence that he took a foreign investment? Because that would be okay, an emolument. So where did he do this I'm emolument? I'm glad you asked me. I'm going to send you to the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, political. I'm going to send you to oh, every yeah, no, political website on okay. earth uh, okay. who I'll has take a look at it. I'm, it's already suspect. Exactly. This is a big story. How do you know Yeah, it about? is. It's the New York Times. They said the Russia collusion thing, remember? <laughs> the FISA warrants, remember? Hillary Clinton dossier, remember? The impeachment, mm-hmm. remember? I mean, mm-hmm. Alexander Vindman, remember? Please, you think it's supposed to rely on him? They he got this one piece. right? That happened. No. That happened. That happened, but well, anyway, man, hey, I'll take a look at it, though. Give me the link. The old socialist Eugene Debs ran for president from jail, so, you know. Yeah, 51 intelligence agents, there are all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. That laptop, 51 expert intelligence agents are from this. Woo! Take him to jail. First of all, you can't you can't you can't <laughs> indict sitting president. That's pretty much established. You've got to impeach him and remove him office. There's not enough votes in the Senate to do that. It's not even conceivable. Right. It's probably not even enough votes in the House of Representatives to impeach the bastards. And even if they did remove him office, Merrick Garland will never prosecute him. We'll have to have another president, another Congress, and another attorney general. It ain't gonna happen. Well well well, well let's ask this then, Sarge. Can, is any president impeachable because of how things are divided amongst party lines? Will pretty much anybody always protect their, their peace, kind of like a chessboard? Let's go to this Clarence Thomas situation. The liberals can cry and moan about how Clarence should step down, about how she, he should resign because of this clear corruption and, you know, him taking a bribe, basically. But John Roberts has the numbers, and there's no way in hell he's giving up a Supreme Court seat. So at a certain point, the partisan lines define everything here. Okay, so we say we we'll see your corruption raise you yours. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, I'll see your I'm, corruption I'm to raise say, me yours. I'm trying to say the tiered system of law that we have here. There's a certain amount of power that can't be checked when it comes to things like that, because they're going to vote amongst party lines to protect their members. <laughs> Look, here's what I say, uh, Nash. I don't care who's doing a crime. If it's Donald Trump. Or Joe Biden, bring the evidence and let's see where it lays. Okay, bring the evidence. But there's been so much wrongdoing to this 
particular form of president, I'm suspect of everything. Oh, I got my I little mean, everything. The FBI oh, literally formed a task force to investigate the president of the United States and spy on him with phonily obtained FISA warrants, supposedly the most verified of any warrant you could possibly obtain. Now, that is a so, fact. That's he, not he, my he, opinion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, well, so we've got that in a whole campaign, series of did, events. Did he go to jail? Nobody goes to jail now these days, it seems, if they're attacking a Republican. No, no, no. Hold, hold on. Did he go to jail? I mean, well, Hillary Clinton violated the Espionage Act. I don't know how many ways from Sunday nothing happened to her. So, yeah, Trump's campaign. God, man, I mean, I mean wake up and smell the coffee. Come on. <laughs> so the man who did run Trump's campaign, who did have foreign ties, especially Here we go. Yeah, he violated the, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Hey. He didn't, right. he didn't, he didn't bleach bit 33,000 emails under subpoena by Congress and destroy blackberries with hammers, for God's sake. <laughs> he didn't run a private server out of Chappaqua in his basement that received top-secret, skip-level classified information. He violated the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which, by the way, it appears Hunter Biden has violated innumerable times, infinitely more than Paul Manafort did. So when Jared and Ivanka were getting top secret information on their iPhones, similar idea or no? Okay, what top secret did they do? Did they have clearance? If Donald Trump gave them clearance, they had clearance. Wait a minute, you just told me about the chain of... No, wait a minute, so where is the top secret information we're getting on the cell phone? You got that political too? Uh, you can find it anywhere, man. Like, these stories out there. I understand y'all. No, I can't find it anywhere. I've never seen any, I, anybody I think, that I think your left hand is broken. I think you only do things information right on their cell phones. I've never seen that. Well, you can find it. It's widely available. Uh, I, I okay, maybe I can find it. I want you to tell me where, because if it's that common, you ought to know. <laughs> I'll pull it up for you right now, just because you said that. Yeah, well, let me know. Then if it's political, I ain't going to trust it either. <laughs> Who do you I trust, mean, okay, it, let's, okay, Let me Mark. answer the question though, Since I don't like to evade questions And I just did So I'm not going to evade your question If okay. she got top secret information On her unsecured cell phone Then she committed a crime Whether advertently or inadvertently Because maybe somebody did it and up, I don't know I don't know how it was arranged uh, but, you know, to Thank possess top-secret information in other-than-approved manner is a felony. It's a violation of the Espionage Act. Now, I'd like you to prove that she did that. Thank you, man. I appreciate you being honest. I don't like the vague so, questions that I just did, and I answered the question. She ain't supposed to have top-secret information on her cell phone, and I don't believe that she did. Gotcha. So I'm putting it in now to look up the story. Okay. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, uh, the thing is, though, the weaponized judiciary is destroying America, destroying our American republic. I mean, that that, that that's definite. I mean, they, they, and it's clear that they're weaponizing the judicial system. I mean, come on. I mean, a sitting, a former sitting president. I mean, being brought up on charges like this is unheard of. What was the only president that was brought up on charges before? What was it? You, uh, Grant. And that's because he got caught speeding in his, car- his horse carriage or something. Yeah, he's drunk driving. Major. Speeding, yeah. yeah, he's he the only other one. Drunk driving, and, and he had a habit of drunk driving. 
supreme law of the land. You're citing to me something so, that's below the supreme law of the land. Supreme law of the land so of the Constitution, you, on, Article 2. Article 2 reveals what is required to make an elector law in a state. This one, you know, you're beating Sarge when he get a little thirsty on, on the commentary. So, so oh, no, 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 no. And you trying to just ignore it like other things are higher importance. And there so is nothing of the law in, in the Constitution. All law must be subordinated to the Constitution. So why did they lose in court 49 times? And then when because they tried to get the Supreme Court, yeah, they just, kicked just it down. They want to be bothered with it. They don't want to have the overturning election on their necks. I don't wait, blame wait, them, wait, actually. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said we got a bunch of corrupt judges. Well, they cite who things like no standing, lack of standing. Uh, latches, they yeah. use that word a lot. You know what latches yeah. is? It means a, a failing to file something promptly and on time. All kind of legal maneuvers to avoid hearing the case. So, again, who appointed the None of them was heard on the merits. The Not one single case. Not one on, single case on. was heard on the merits. Don't run, Sarge. Who and I'm talking the about thousands and hundreds and thousands of depositions <laughs> sworn <laughs> through election irregularities. I'm talking a manifestly obvious violation of the Constitution and the election law in states. I'm talking about findings by the Wisconsin Supreme Court that said drop boxes in Wisconsin were illegal. I'm talking about a finding by the second highest court in the state of Pennsylvania that the election law was done in a violation of the Pennsylvania state Constitution. I'm not even mentioning 2,000 mules yet. I'm not even mentioning the well, Indian well, voting machine. Those <laughs> things alone should have been enough to trigger an Look, investigation. Man, whatever and a debunked court case. raggedy material that you like to watch I haven't that nobody even else sees as credible doesn't mean it's credible. Now, the second point is this Again, is not arguing, the, the violation of uh, the with, findings uh, by the highest court in Wisconsin is credible. I got you. Finding got you. by the now, second on, highest court in Pennsylvania is credible. 2,000 no, sworn depositions is credible. So don't yeah, tell Sarge, me there's incredible you're, you're, information. So you're a biblical man, so you know about manna from heaven. See, now you got to change when the subject. You enough? know how we had credible information. I didn't even mention 2,000 mules or the voting machine. Well, 2,000 mules, this is a bulk raggedy you documentary chain of custody where your boy and signature verification, chain of custody Make and sure signature verification buy, uh, is in the two. law in the state. They're supposed to maintain logs and records. They would destroy records. They would destroy logs. They didn't account for signature verification. They destroyed things they weren't supposed to destroy. They deleted records. In state after state that were swing states, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, and in Michigan, and Arizona. No, I mean, I, I know you want to ignore all of this like it doesn't matter, but those of us who know better will not. No, you just don't want me to get a word in. I understand. It's okay. It happens. Well, I'm, 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 not, watch, I'm not saying well, non-credible information. Everything well, I said was credible. Yeah. You wanna, look, when he drops 2,000 Mules Part 2 for 1999, you just make See, sure you And now you have it. to bring that up. I'm I knew sure he wants y'all money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, See, there you go. You did it again. And Dominion, I never put much stock in the Dominion voting machine thing anyway, so don't even well, me that. I did put a lot of stock in 2,000 Mules, though. 2,000 Mules is yet to be disproven. Yeah, that is yeah, true. You've seen that Dominion lawsuit. Woo. I never put I never put much stock in the Dominion voting machine thing, so I'm not I'm, I'm completely agnostic about that. Okay. Completely. Well, either way, but man. But on 2,000 anyway, Mules, yeah, I'm down with that. 
I'm a, well, I'm a it's, a terrible, it's, it's a terrible piece of propaganda. You were scammed. But look, it was good talking with y'all. I'm gonna get out y'all way. I know y'all got a show to do. Damn, it's good arguing <laughs> with y'all though, man. I, I, hey, I, I like enjoyed it. I don't know about you, Joe, and... but did you enjoy it? I hope you did. Yeah. Okay, I, I cool. Let me know the real y'all show. No problem, man. Uh, good at you. Good on you. You defended your position resolutely, but you were overrun in the end. <laughs> of course, you would believe. That's that. just the way it is. Well, sometimes anyway. you got to yield superior force, superior prior power. Uh, you just can't. You know. The best in withdrawal. <laughs> live to fight another day. That's right, so I Live to fight another day. Y'all have a good weekend, man. I'll talk to y'all. Well, later. wait, wait, you can get your last word if you want, your last thought. You can get your final thought before you go. If you want, we'll let you get your final closing thought since you ain't going to stick around for the whole show. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, closing thoughts would be I don't think a president can actually go to jail, but I do think this man's many violations of the law are going to come back to bite him in the form of financially. I don't think anybody's going to be able to handle, you know, the amount of cases he's going to have to deal with. We're talking about lawyers, and this is just not lawyers on retainer. This is, you know, billable hours, man. And that stuff just adds up, adds up, adds up, adds up. So I, I think this is legally, I think legally he's going to be crushed to the point of where he can't uh, make the effort to run or fight in a way that some people are expecting from him. So y'all better go get your DeSantis T-shirts because uh, the old horse is about to be taken out back and shot. Have a good night. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I got to give him he's right about one thing, Joe. One thing he's absolutely right. Democrats know how to wage lawfare. And, boy, they are bringing a full blitzkrieg with this lawfare they're pulling off now. Yes, I agree. Uh, he's right about That's that. That's a lot That's of lawyers, man. They are going to try to crush him with lawfare. All right. Sure. All right. Have a good night. Well, Sarge. <laughs> I guess that the left. Is there a difference between the left and and, and a liberal? <laughs> uh, they, they, they share many things in common. I, when I speak of a liberal, I'm thinking about somebody like maybe they got a kind of populist aspect to them, like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Maybe I think he's the closest yeah. thing to what we have traditionally considered to be a liberal. Robert F. Kennedy probably. I'm not sure if he is completely, but. As far as I know, in a, in a, with, a, within a, with a major name in the Democratic Party, he's probably the closest thing we've got to a traditional liberal from the olden, olden days. Uh, John, yeah. John Kennedy would be considered an extremist today by, uh, by the most of the Democratic Party. Well, I tell you. In, in his time, though, he was a liberal. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. You know, but... How are we in America today? I mean, we talk a lot about the militias and stuff on my on my show, and militias isn't the answer to uh, fixing our country. But if our country was to collapse, you know, where would the militias be? You know, where where what, could could they form locally? I doubt it. Well, the militia is not an answer to what ails our country. A militia is a response to the need for a civilian military force. That's what the militia is for. So any situation that would require the citizens to act as a militia, that's what the militia is used for. So is there anything today that they would be appropriately used for? Of course there is. The criminal chaos in the worst of the cities in the United States would and probably could call for a supplemental call-up of the militia to aid the police. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, of course, I mean, you've got governors that are terrified of the word militia, even though the states all have laws dealing with how they can utilize the civilian militia in times of muster, when the governor calls them up. But they're terrified yeah. to even think of the word because of the way the word militia has been maligned by leftists. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They have. They, they've got well, everybody just thinking that, you know. That the governor might have available to them, they simply, the governor simply decide not to use. Look at what's going on on the border. Hey, perfect place to use the militia. They're not being used. Well, well this, one, Again, this one right under here. The authority, under the authority of the state governor. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, what we see right here, well, they wouldn't be a bunch of lawless rednecks running around the woods because that's the way they like to betray it. If they're called up under the authority of the governor, they're well-regulated, meaning trained and disciplined, and under appropriate state control, the governor's control, then they can be utilized in any number of situations for which a civilian military force can be utilized. They've been let, they've been allowed to atrophy. They've been die, they've died in most states through the neglect. They've been maligned and ridiculed by the uh, news media. And most of the leftist propaganda, truly some people who call themselves malicious, are actually a bunch of uh, know-nothing yahoos. Mm -hmm. So all those things combine to denigrate the militia concept, which is at the core of liberty for the United States right up to the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me play some of this real quick here. Play a couple minutes of this. This is this, this goes in uh, uh, basically inside. This is the most latest video on it, actually. Uh, the inside America, terror, uh, terror, the military's problem with extremism in the ranks and the American militia here. So we'll play this here and see how this comes out. Here we go again. If we can get and uh, <laughs> see what we can get going here. And uh, yeah, McCom talk about that. If I can get it up, if I can get it up and running, let's see if I can get it up and running. Uh, hang on, I might not be able to get it up and running. Let's see. Oh wait, um, my volume's down. That's why. Sorry. Infowarsstore.com. If I call you toll free, triple eight two five three three one three nine. This is a big. It's January twenty twenty. The presidential election is just months away. It's exactly 352 days until the U.S. Capitol will be stormed. I'm with a right-wing militia headed to a gun rights rally in Richmond, Virginia. This is my beat. I've been covering extremists like this for years. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, and, and I'm, I'm surrounding myself with fellow veterans who have a right to a citizen's militia. It is their right. Chris Hill is a Marine Corps veteran, but to his men, he's the general. General coming, everybody. Look. Getting out of the military, I missed that. You know, operating as a uh, unit. If you get the command to lock and load, make ready, condition one, you're putting a bullet in the chamber, okay? There's something obvious here that defines Hill's militia and many others like it. Hold your position! Hold your position! The prevalence of men who've served in the nation's armed forces. His militia is headed to the state capitol. They're trained, organized, and armed. Whether it's Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, or Three Percenters, the presence of people with U.S. military backgrounds in right-wing extremist groups has been growing way before Jan 6th, and we want to understand why. 
to take the oath doesn't have an expiration date. Just because I no longer serve in the Coast Guard, I will honor my oath with my dying breath. I will not comply. Following the stand down, 
Why did the defense secretary call for this stand-down in particular? The secretary directed the uh, entire uh, the entire department to take a 60-day stand-down, meaning that within 60 days, apart from your training, you would take uh, some amount of time to sit and talk through some of the key aspects of the policies that he had uh, he wanted us to focus on. Kind of take a beat to say, like, hey, let's let's uh, reinvigorate the discussion around what our uh, constitutional responsibilities are, uh, what our values are as, a, as a, a culture within the military as well as an organization. So it's basically just asking soldiers to reflect on what extremism is and why. Alongside with their leadership, reflecting on uh, what e extremist activity uh, potentially means, uh, what it means to be a part of the good order and discipline of their units, what uh, just the camaraderie and uh, the service that we share together within the United States military. According to Garrison, part of the initial Pentagon response sounds kind of like a group chat on what it means to be a soldier. But while the reality of the standout might be less drastic than it appeared, it was a clear acknowledgement that extremism in the ranks was something the Pentagon needed to face. What's maybe less understood by military leadership is that we could be at a uniquely dark moment in the history of this. That's saying something, given that the phenomenon started as far back as the Civil War. All right. The stand down thing, you know, what, what, you know, this is, this is what, what are they talking about here? Civil war, going back to the civil war and whatnot. Listen, the Constitution is the Constitution. Reads what the Constitution means what it says, says what it means. Okay? And the military, they have no special privilege or special meaning that they're, um, a lot of videos have been popping up lately too. I've been getting a couple of them where, you know, military people have been standing, you know, if you, if you, point, you point your gun at me, uh, I tell you, order you back, get back into your house. You, that's martial law. You will obey our orders. No. No. That, that's, that is wrong. That, at no time should our military ever ever be directed upon our people. I mean, what do you think, Sarge? Well, let me give you an Well, of course, well, look, um, I wouldn't say that even the military should never point guns at our people. It depends on what the people are doing. I mean, if they're aiding an enemy, uh, an enemy of the United States, okay, they're okay. engaging All right. violence. Yeah, I got depends you on what they're doing. But simply to violate the civil liberties, of course not. In fact, they should resist such orders as being unlawful and perhaps even join the citizens to prevent their rights from being destroyed. Now, let me give an example of how these people who hate the armed citizen militia, what they do. Now, back in July last year, there was a fire in uh, Mariposa County. 3,000 firefighters and first responders went to the Sierra foothills of Mariposa, Mariposa County battling the fire. But they were aided in the job by about 150 people of a state militia who handed out food and offered help to evacuees. And this was said to raise concerns from people looking at it. Now, they're called the California State Militia 2nd Regiment. They have a website. They were not acting on muster. They have not been called out by the governor. But they did offer their service as an organization to assist the firefighters. And the firefighters didn't drive them away. Firefighters accepted their assistance in guiding people, in giving instructions, and handing out food and water to people who needed it. But yet and still, because they were organized and they called themselves a militia, this raised a great big hubbub. It got the yep. pearl clutch's yep. panties all in a bunch. 
and they were worried about what does this mean, blah, 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 blah. Now, it wasn't like they went out there and they decided to, I don't know, say we're the militia and we have the authority of the people in the state because we're the people in the the state is the people, so they decided to go out on the highway, set up roadblocks, I don't know, enforce DUI law. They didn't do that. Yep. Now, if they'd have done something like that, they would have clearly been in violation of the law. They can't just arbitrarily yep. sign themselves authority and start enforcing laws that are not something that would be covered by a citizen's arrest. And certainly, setting up roadblocks on the highway and enforcing DUI laws would be one of those things. Okay. Yeah. But doing what they did there, even if they were in their uniform, is not illegal, and it shouldn't be concerning. It ought to be welcomed, I would think, don't you? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't like roadblocks, checkpoints. I don't. I think they're unconstitutional. Oh, no, no. I think obstruct- that's what they should not be able to do. If oh, they should, should not be doing Yes, yes, I agree. They're yes, violating they the law. <laughs> Only the governor could give them the authority to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, and if, even if there that, was some yeah. reason that he wanted his militia, he mustered his militia and said, well, your unit will go down here and you'll block off the highway and you'll conduct roadblocks yep. on this highway. And then it would be reason. up to the individual soldiers to determine off, whether it was an unlawful order. Because we've got the, we're the state, we're the citizen militia of the state of California, and we think we ought to go set up roadblocks, catch drunk drivers, because the state isn't doing enough. No, they'd be doing a wholly illegal action. Yeah, and, and of course they have to determine whether or not to unlawful order. Each individual has but their I'm own right. But I'm talking about the situation know. where they helped out in the in the, in in you know California with the fire, handing out food and water, being in uniform, and, and and volunteering the services, which were accepted by the first responders and the firefighters. Yeah, that's okay, right? I don't have a problem with that's, that. Yes, yeah, I think that would be that should be applauded. Yeah. Yeah, it's volunteer service. Sure, volunteering to help out the fellow man. Nothing wrong with that. And again, if, uh, and again if, if, you know, if, 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 I think the governor, I, if I was the governor, I would be gratified to know after checking them out and making sure they're okay, they're not a bunch of nuts, that I would be happy to accept the services of an organized state militia that is another one I knew I could call up by name in the event of a statewide muster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They help supplement and the other forces that are available under my command. Locally, that's what. We're, look, look. I have the contact. The, my contact for my militia here. Forget all the distortions. Forget like that little hit piece you just played. Forget all yep. that. We understand yep. what the constitutional purpose of the militia is: being necessary to the security of a free state. That's what Correct. the militia is. It's necessary under the Constitution. To the security of but these liberals come and with the fact that for the governor to utilize in whatever emergency that he rightfully deems fit. But these liberals come back and say we don't need a militia anymore because we're not we the got militia. That you know, we, we don't have muskets. We know they were they were fighting muskets with muskets. We have AR-15s today. What you know, the oh, founding no, fathers had no way of knowing. We national guard. We don't need any other militia. <laughs> yep, yep. And like I said, That's I want to remind. I was in the national guard for 19 years. I know what the national guard is. I was in the national guard. And it said United States Army in my fatigue pocket. It said U.S. on my brass label collar on my dress uniform. U.S. didn't say Illinois. Didn't say uh, Illinois militia. He said United States Army. Yeah, that ain't the militia. Yeah, I know. 
I know, I know, I know. And, and but but that's what these liberals are coming with, Sarge. That's the arguments they're coming. They didn't. We don't need AR-15s today. We don't need them. They say. You know, the founding fathers. You know, tell me, why would we need? Why do we need an AR-15, Sarge? Why? The government's not coming because to get you. You're a conspiracy we theorist. We need because um, a militia is a body of citizens organized for military purposes, and in today's context, the civilian pattern version of the AR-15, M16, M4 variant rifle and or carbine is the closest thing available to the common citizen of a military arm that is suited for military purposes, because that's what a militia is for. And if you have the commonality of information, ammunition with active duty ammunition, because they fired the exact same cartridge that the armed forces uses for its primary battle rifle. Exact same cartridge, 5.56 NATO. So it makes perfect sense for the militia to be armed with AR-15s. And when you stop right. that the, in the proper employment of a rifle in battle, a, 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 a non-cruiserve shoulder rifle, semi-automatic is what you're going to be using most of the time anyway. Correct. I mean, select Correct. fire is for very specific applications because they're not designed for sustained fire on full automatic. You will break things and cause the barrels to overheat and wear them out prematurely. You just shoot full auto all the time. That's why I used to tell my guys in Vietnam, stop doing so goddamn much up, plus you're wasting ammo all over the place. <laughs> semi-automatic, most proper, semi-automatic auto, auto is the most proper application for most battlefield situations anyway. Exactly. So you got a semi-automatic carbine, 16-inch barrel, a 20-inch barrel with a rifle. Uh, you are well-suited with the basic shoulder arm that a modern-day militiaman needs, a woman needs. Those Tommy guns were bad in the 1930s, huh? Huh? Those Tommy guns they had, huh, in the 1930s? They didn't, weren't banned federally until the National Firearms Act in 1934. No, first I said they were some bad-ass guns, weren't they? Yeah, but the first time some machine gun that came out for commercial sale came out in 1921. And you could go in any yeah, hardware yeah, store yeah. and had the money because they were so goddamn expensive. Yeah, I know, but there was some badass guns, huh? <laughs> yeah, anybody cut you down. Man, if, look, if you, anybody, if you could have looked in the future and see what an investment they were now, because one in good shape that's uh, on the uh, firearms registry that's eligible to be legally transferable oh, I know. is easily $50,000. Wow. Oh, I didn't think there were that much. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, they're uh, $50,000. You got a good one in good shape. With all the accessories that they sold with it at the time, like the drum, the cleaning kit, oh. the uh, case and holder. I, wish I, could, I wish I could have one. They had a canvas pouch that you could put all that stuff in. And it, I it tell you, I wish I could have one. Six man, oh, three man. 20-round stick magazines and a drum magazine and cleaning equipment and all the accessories needed. To hold. If you got all that in good shape, you could probably sell that for $75,000, $100,000. I feel, I'm bad. I'm kicking myself in the butt for for selling my Mac 10 years ago. I had a Mac 10, you know, and I. It was and, be worth a whole lot more money now. Oh man, it just, you know, I had sold it about Anybody 15 years ago. a legally transferable gun, which means because they fixed that registry since 1986, they won't allow any new ones to be put on the registry. But anybody with an automatic weapon that's legally transferable has got something worth gold, worth more than his weight in gold. 
It's hard to get a class for those uh, class three licenses uh, to, for to get the fully automatic license. And for your, it's hard it's to get that. that hard you know. to get the license. What it is hard to get is inventory. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. That's what, what it I meant. Is. Yeah. You can get the yeah, You can't find it nowhere. Huh? You know, I mean, I mean, you well, you could find it, but like you said, fifty thousand, fifteen thousand. This stuff's expensive, Sarge, man. man Crazy. Stand gun. You know, I don't know if you know what a stand gun. You know what a stand gun is, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look how that thing is made. Look how cheaply it was made. It cost maybe three pounds to make when it was when they made it in Britain. When they ramped up production. It wasn't made in Britain. Three, it wasn't made in Britain, was it? Huh? It wasn't made in Britain, was it? Yeah, it was a British weapon. It was uh, it was stand stand for was an oh, amalgam. Oh, okay, okay. I know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Cheap I had a machine gun brain well meltdown. Side mounted magazine. Okay, I had a brain meltdown. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't. Yeah, I, I've well, never seen one of those. When they, were, when they were brand new, they cost maybe three pounds off the assembly, and they were turning them out like bottle caps. I mean, they were cheap to make. You can make them real quick. They didn't, they were stamped and welded together. They only had two or three parts that were actually machined. The bolt barrel had to be nice. pulled through for the rifling and all that. And maybe the um, the uh, fire control group parts were cast. But that was about mm-hmm. it, and the bolt, the bolt was about the only machine part on the damn thing. So it was cheap to make it. And nowadays, though, if you've got one that's legally transferable, it's about fifteen to $20,000. Wow. Wow. That's great. You ever crazy. seen an elder stand gun? It's like a no, piece I've of never plumber's seen one. Pipe. It's like a piece wow. of plumber's pipe. I shot the thing. They're pretty effective if you got a good magazine, because the magazines ain't worth a damn on the damn thing. But other than that, <laughs> it looks like a piece of plumber's pipe. It's a plumber's nightmare, they used to call it. Well, my home state, my home state from originally from Connecticut, they, that's a police state up there now. You can't get down there. You, you have to have a license to buy ammunition. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. crazy crap is that, man? Well, I'll tell you, there's been okay. a whole lot of people who've been stocking up on Tommy guns for value as a future investment if they could buy them when they were legal. They yeah. just cost a yeah. pretty back. Because you could have hoarded them for investment, passed them on to your heirs and assigns, and they could have made a fortune off of them. Well, well that's John, John Dillinger, that's what he used, right? John Dillinger, right? Even though, he yeah. liked the <laughs> And I tell you, Clyde Barrow liked the BAR. That was his thing. Mm, uh, what's a BAR? I've never seen one of those. Browning Automatic Rifle. Have you ever seen Combat? You've seen it. Kirby used to carry oh. it. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's the automatic weapon of the day. Uh, it weighed wow. about 19 pounds prior to 20, uh, 30 or 6 ammunition off a 20-round box magazine. It had two rates of fire, fast and slow, 350 rounds a minute and 550 wow. to 600 rounds. And uh, wow. it was a big, heavy weapon with a bipod, which most of the guys threw away because it was too heavy, added too much weight to it. And uh, it was pretty rugged and built like a tank. problem with it, it didn't have a quick-change barrel. But it had it fired thirty oh six ammo instead of pistol caliber ammo, and it could go through both sides of a car, out through another car, and out through another one behind that. Oh my and lord! That's why a quiet barrel liked it because it had all this power. It fired a full size thirty oh six hunting rifle cartridge. Jeez! Not, not Tommy gun fired a forty five caliber pistol bullet. It didn't have the kind of penetrating power that uh you know uh BAR. Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. And he was, what's the most he powerful was rifle on the market now? Cop, what's yeah, the most, he was what's shooting the most, against cops, armored cars, and 
and, and you know, uh, cars. And he wants something that would punch through the sheet metal. Okay. And that was his favorite. <laughs> yeah, he liked B.A.R. But, but, but what was the price back then? He liked Tommy Gunn. He also had a gunsmith make him a custom-made 45 automatic that was selected fire. He put they put a uh, Thompson submachine gun foregrip on a 45 automatic pistol. It had an extended magazine and it was select fire. Wow. Mo- a gunsmith modified it to fire fully automatic, a regular 1911, but like with a 25 or 30 round extended magazine. Wow. Wow. They said the most powerful rifle today on the market. Is this true? Oh, no, this ain't. This is, it's a 72 caliber Zeus. It's both the largest caliber and the most powerful. Oh, no, that's air rifle. What, the heck, what am I doing on these? What's the most powerful? Why, why would it take me to that now? You see how it takes? The other computer takes you to something that you don't want, <laughs> you, you know? Rifle, man. The air rifle, usually they use very small calibers because they want to be able to move their projectile as fast as they can, and a big... Heavy, you need you need a chemical gunpowder to make that thing move with any velocity. Well, they say the most powerful is the AR-500. You ever hear of one of those? AR-500. AR, yeah, the AR-500. They said it's the most powerful rifle on the planet. That's what they're saying. Well, I never heard of it. What do they say about it? Uh, uh, unlike the ambiguous AR-15 recoil, weight and cost per round will limit the weapon's popularity. It says, uh, the endless adaptive nature of the AR-15 rifle platform has made it one of the most modifiable weapons in history, from buttstocks but, uh, but to barrels. The rifle can be customized in a very, uh, variety of ways to improve power, functionally, and appearance. One major innovation is the field of power in the AR-500. The AR-500 fires a modified .500 Smith & Wesson bullet. The .500 auto Max resulting in a rifle that manufactured Bighorn Army claims can down any dangerous game animal on Earth and disable any vehicle. The result is a weapon that appeals to big game hunters and tactical teams alike. The original AR-15 platform rifle fires the 5.656 millimeter round, weighing between 55 and 75 grains, 0.6 ounces. The 5.56 round is suitable for incapacitation man-sized targets. The 5.65 millimeter round is banned by many states. However, for hunting purposes, it lacks the power to quickly take down deer-sized game. The 5.56 round is also effective at penetrating steel engine blocks, the quickest way to the top and uh, stop a moving vehicle. So, uh, the AR-500 is an yeah is the weapon designed in yeah it's got um well hang on the auto hang on the AR uh, weapon designed to accommodate modified version of the .500 Smith and Wesson bullet the Auto Max is actually built off the AR-10 so it's like an AR-10 scaled up version so it's heavier so well, AR-500 talking about Browning uh, 50 caliber Browning machine gun territory and the bullet weight like. 600 yeah. grain bullet? That's about yeah. right up there with a fifth machine gun bullet. That's, that's got to be pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. It says, says right here, says, um, let's see. All right, well, let's get into this right here. It says, compared to just, all right, this is what it says. Counting machine gun is about the most powerful uh, projectile I can think of. Well, short of sorry, a it goes 1,000, it goes 1,875 feet per second, the, the point, uh, the 500. Auto max round is decidedly slower than the 5.56 round, what, which what is typically the, uh, clocked between 3,000. What is the bullet weight at that velocity? Uh, 55 grain. No, uh, wait a minute. Uh, auto max faster velocity. 
18-inch barrel uh, accuracy observed when put I, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. The 5.56 uh, round. It's 55 rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 5.56 round. I'm sorry. Well, it doesn't tell me the uh, weight of the, uh, the AR-500, does it? Did I, I or did I say it in the beginning? Bullet, I'm wondering what's the weight of the bullet is pushing at that, at that velocity. That's, yeah. that's a relatively slow velocity, uh, relatively anyway. Uh, but is given it? the fact that the bullet is so heavy, it probably packs a big punch. At that yeah, speed. yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah, so that's a slow velocity, you're saying, huh? Because the well, yeah, because the AR-15 yeah, wait, goes three thousand feet. There are there are um, the fifty caliber Barrett uh, fires a fifty caliber Browning machine gun round, or the M1110 rifle. And that's much more powerful than the velocities here because it fires the same weight bullet at 2,800 feet per second. Really? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, well, uh, let's see. Well, it, it gives a, there's so many different uh, there's differences of opinion. You've got to remember, seen, this is the I editor's choice. I have seen him in a lot of movies. You know that big rifle that they put on a – it's got a bipod. You often see the, some sniper with it, and it's a big-ass rifle with a bipod. You've seen him in movies, I know. They used to the, call the, it the, the, Bar- the, 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 the M16. No, 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 no. The Army's adopted it as the, Bar- I mean, the M1110. M110 sniper. Oh, rifle. oh, yeah. The, oh, the M10. Uh, no, it's the M107A1. That's what you're talking about, right? Okay, that one, too. I think they had two different ones. They're both similar. The 110's got improvements on it. But anyway, okay. uh, they fired a 50 caliber Browning machine gun round. And they, you notice they got a muzzle brake on the end, like a tank gun, to tame some of the recoil. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I see it right the here. Yep. Brake on the end of the barrel. Yep, yep. And that thing shoots at about 2,850, close to 2,900 feet per second. That is a lot more powerful than this rifle. Well, how about the 338, the Christensen uh, Arms Modern Precision oh, that, 338 that is, Blue In the 30 caliber size, that's. I think the most powerful rifle cartridge I can think of. That's nice, I huh? It's $2,000 rifle. Yeah, 338 Lapua, I think they call it. Yeah. Yep. That's a, that's a powerful yeah. rifle right there. But man, that's, oh, that's man. That's grizzly bears and big games. Grizzly yeah, bears yeah. Or if you're a, a designated sniper, you want to take out a target at 1,000 yards <laughs> or 1,200 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, wow, wow. This, well, this can go through a railroad track uh, rail, this, uh, the 50 caliber versus train track rail. Oh, that's the easiest <laughs> thing you can do, man. That, 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 you got to remember, man, a 50 caliber ball ammo, not even armor piercing, is good for light armored plate on a on an armored Well, if you want to go less than 1000 bucks, Sarge, what about the Ruger AR-556 MP, NPR-450? You ever hear of that uh, one? I think they're talking about the M458 SOCOM. They got that for the AR-15, but that's got ballistics equivalent to about the 4570 Henry rifle from the 19th century. Okay, well, that no, well, it's got the big more Ruger AR-556. AR don't get me wrong. It's powerful enough to take down a grizzly bear with one shot. Yeah, yeah, it is, but you got to hit them in the right remember, place. In the AR-15... You can't have a cartridge longer than 45 millimeter and expect it to feed out of a magazine that has to go in a magazine well because the length of the cartridge is limited to a cartridge of 45 millimeters or less because of the width of the magazine well. 
What about the uh, Mossberg Patriots, 338 Win Mag? Well, there's another one for you. But you got to remember one thing about you talking about the M60 machine gun a minute ago? Yeah, yeah. The length of that cartridge that it fires, in the, they fired that in the M240 Bravo uh, general purpose machine gun in the M60, that cartridge case is 51 millimeters long, and it won't fit in the magazine well of an AR-15. That's why you got to go up to an AR-10. Oh, okay. AR-10 shoots okay. 7.62 by 51, and it's long enough to accept the more powerful cartridge. And that is if you're okay. shooting from the magazine. Now, if you just want a single-shot bolt-action rifle, you could put a 50-caliber Browning machine gun uh, upper receiver on it and fire it single-shot bolt-action. Just don't have a magazine, okay. it'll feed it. Well, how about the Noreen Firearms BN 36 by 3? It's 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 got the, it fires the 30 odd six Springfield 22 inch barrel. That's uh, that uh, that's um, it's a rifle chamber. It says it's got the uh, 50 BMG came along yeah, and see, blew it out in the water. Real long range shooting with them suckers, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Looks like every, every one of the <laughs> weapons you mentioned thus far is like a beast. That can take a target down out to like a uh, thousand yards and more easily. Well, if you want with something the right, cheap uh, now, optical equipment with the right optical equipment, so you can actually see the target. And if you got well, enough, if you want to do something cheap, the, uh, cheap, on the sorry. Ballistic, yeah, it's cheaper ammunition. You can right, hold over and all the dope you got to do to sight it in at that range. Yeah, you can take out a target at fifteen hundred yards, two miles with some of that kind of equipment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if you want something cheap, though, you know, really cheap. And, and Remember, AR-15, though, is an assault rifle cartridge, and it's designed for engagement 300 meters and in, really, although it's capable of accuracy out to 500 yards. But it's really designed, like the AK is, for engagement to 300 yards and in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, so what do you, so what do you, what, what, what's your favorite? I, I like the AK. What do you think? Uh, I, think I think it's good, the best. Uh, it's a great battle rifle, but when I look at the aggregates, the virtues and the drawbacks of both the AR and the AK, I'm going to pick the AR every single time. Why? You're going to have more problems well, in the field. That's not true. Not enough to matter. The modern-day AR-15, now they they got rid of all them problems. They, they're not significant. I And frankly... The AR-15 is a little bit better in mud than the AK is, and you don't know why? Because when you got a magazine in the AR-15, and you got the dust cover closed, and you got the barrel taped off so nothing can get in the barrel, it's sealed off from mud. It's better at keeping the mud out. The AK's got all kind of openings to let the mud in. What the AK is better at is if you don't do any maintenance on it at all. The AK definitely beats the AR there. Because the AK will keep running. You don't do a damn thing to take care of it. But with reasonable <laughs> maintenance, and I ain't talking about, like, special nitpicking maintenance. With reasonable maintenance, an AR-15 is just as reliable as an AK. Just as reliable. And it's got much better ergonomics. It's got much better flexibility. You can rechamber an AR-15 with no effort whatsoever for any one of 135 different calibers. Did you hear what I just said? 135. The AK can't touch that because the barrel is set in a trunnion that you've got to have a press and a machine shop to get the damn thing out to rebarrel it to another. With AR-15, you can do it with hand tools, 
Or if you have an upper receiver in the right chamber, all you got to do is put the upper receiver on it. Voila. You done chambered it for a different round using the same bolt, same barrel, everything. It's got better Are air ergonomics. rifles illegal? Are there, is any kind of air rifle illegal? Or, or you have to have, uh, state, I don't know of any state where air rifles are illegal. They're regulated, though, in different different states. You got to look at these stupid state laws to see what they're regulated on. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Because they got some air rifles here that will spring out of bore. But air rifles <laughs> aren't really considered firearms as such because they don't use chemical energy to discharge a projectile. Yeah, yeah. Some people like I mean, the air uh, rifles air now, rifles though. Air rifles use compressed air. I mean, the air gets compressed and that expels the projectile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well. you know, uh, a firearm is something that uses chemical energy to discharge a, a projectile. Like shotgun, rifle, black powder, yeah. smokeless powder, something like that. They got one charge, the uh, Seneca, the, the number the Seneca Dragon Claw, the PCP air rifle. It's got it's a 50 cal arrows, whatever weight, whatever you want to shoot. Man, that's nice power, 230 pounds. Wow, muzzle. Oh my lord, look at this thing. Oh, wait a minute, now. <laughs> you talking about foot pounds of energy at the muzzle? Yeah. Okay, that's the not very much. You know how much twenty-two long rifle puts out at the muzzle? Uh, really? A twenty-two squirrel rifle, long rifle, in a sixteen-inch barrel puts out about a hundred and forty-five foot-pounds of energy. Okay, so and that's just so twenty-two. You're... Now you take no, a no, typical no. handgun like a nine millimeter. You're talking about three hundred and forty, three hundred and fifty foot-pounds of energy. And you talk about an AR-15, an AR-15, which is considered an intermediate rifle cartridge, not a high power, not a low power, but in the middle, an AR-15 cartridge puts out about a little bit under 1,250 foot-pounds at the muzzle in standard loading. Wow, So 1,250. Really? So, I mean, 230 pounds is good for an air rifle, but it's not really all that impressive when you compare it to a chemical shooting, you know, firearm. Yeah, yeah. That's good for well, air. That's good for air. Let's take down squirrels and, and mice and ducks and groundhogs and stuff like that. These air rifles will take down a boar. <laughs> I'm looking at right well, now. How much, how, much, well, how much energy do they put out? Well, uh, let's see here. What's this air rifle Energy is the name here? of the game when you're talking about uh, killing power. Well, the more the better. See. Yeah, this one's not saying. Uh, it says uh, the .357 is a smaller uh, 2.57 will go a lot faster, but still whatever spec you opt for monster, it doesn't give me the specs on it. It's not giving me the specs now on it. Now, this is an air rifle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, I suppose it's got to be, it's got, that must mean he's got a pretty big firing chamber to generate that kind of velocity that's going to take down a bore. Do you ever seen the muscle and shoulder plates in a bore that you got to punch through to get to the heart and lungs? No, I haven't. No, I've never hunted bore, so. <laughs> in a male bore, they're pretty well developed. you got to have a, a good, a, a bullet that's got good, um, you know, ability to hold together without breaking up and punch through that plate on their side, on their shoulder. It's like like gristle, very thick. And okay. you got to have a bullet that holds together. It's got nice bonding. It'll hold together to get to the vitals, the heart, the lungs, and kill the boar outright, humanely All right. and with a shot. Well, Sarge, closing thoughts to tonight's show. Okay, I'm going to play at the end here. I'm going to play the uh, uh, 
first five minutes, the greatest story never told since it's a 10-year anniversary. It actually pissed off my sponsors. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh, what's your closing thoughts? Don't get the book I tell you about Pat Buchanan, though. Yeah, well, uh, yeah Pat Buchanan. Let me write this down. Let me write this down. What's the name of it? Uh, the Unnecessary War. Unnecessary War by Pat Buchanan. Okay. I'm going to go to Amazon as soon as we hang up and uh, look that up. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure you'll find that very enlightening and interesting. Yeah. Closing thoughts, Sarge. And again, oh, by the way, subtitle is, uh, I'm sorry, Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. That's the name. Churchill, Churchill Hitler, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. I'm sure I, when I look up Happy Cannon and the Unnecessary War, I'm sure it'll pop right up. Yeah, you'll see it. All right, Sarge, closing thoughts, man. Well, like I said, you know, we got a lot We got a lot to work out. There's a lot of problems to work out or in or whatever, but, you know, I don't think it's you think, valuable. You think we're ever going to work out with these liberals, man? You think we're ever going to come to terms with these liberals like oh, no, I said the other no, night? No, no, no. either going to have to have an epiphany or we're going to have to brush them aside. Yeah. We either have to negate their power and their influence and their authority, or they're going to have to have personal epiphany like I did. Yeah. I don't think there's any deal with that. They're not rational. Most of them are not rational. They're just not. You can't have an yeah. argument with them. You can't have a discussion with them. They call your name. They get crazy like that dummy on that show you were talking to. Yeah. And like I said, I'd love to have the opportunity to engage them, too, when they're moderated and they can't just, just shut you down. I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to bring your suggestion up to but them. They will lose to us. I guarantee you they will lose to us. We have a moderator and it's controlled. They won't ex- I, I know they won't accept the invitation. They won't. Well, you got your show on right now. I think I might jump over there after I get off of here, uh, after I do my co- my closing here, The Conservative Nation. I might go over there and see what he's Let's talking about. Let's go over about. there and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm brought up. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's what I think I'm going to do. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here then. All right, everybody, God bless the Republic. And, uh, hey. Take care. Nothing about his parents or adults' early life gave any hint of the extraordinary career that was to come. His father, Alois, was a stern, short-tempered customs official who beat his son. His mother, Clara, tried to protect him. When she died, young Adolf was broken by grief. He kept her portrait with him for the rest of his life. The infant Adolf was baptized and brought up as a Catholic. At the age of six, he entered the monastery school at Lombard. Soon, he was top of his class. Hitler was a chorister at the great Abbey Church of Lombard. I used, he said, to intoxicate myself with the solemn splendor of the services. Every day when he sang in the choir, he saw the memorial to an earlier abbot. Above it was an emblem which a quarter of a century later, Hitler was to adopt for the Nazi party, the swastika. In his teens, Hitler became a moody adolescent, At secondary school in Linz, he lost interest in most of his work. His ambition was to go to Vienna and become an artist or architect. Once there, he produced architectural drawings and watercolors like these, competent, 
but not good enough to win the place he longed for at the Viennese Academy of Fine Arts. Little by little, all Hitler's early ambitions in Vienna turned sour. After the shock of being turned down twice by the Academy of Fine Arts, he became a drifter. Hitler later called his period in Vienna the most miserable time of my life. Three of those miserable years were spent here in a Viennese backstreet at this hostel for homeless men. In this depressing hostel, the future Fuhrer passed much of the day sitting with other inmates, churning out drawings and watercolors which earned him a modest income. When he drifted from Vienna to Germany in 1913, he was still dreaming of becoming a great artist or famous architect. Munich, the 1st of August, 1914. A cheering crowd welcomes the outbreak of the First World War. On the right is a photographer, and among the crowd he's photographing is the 25-year-old Adolf Hitler. at the tenacity of his, his service. I mean, he's a fanatic. And he petitioned King Ludwig III of Bavaria to enlist in what's referred to as the King's Own Regiment. That's an elite Bavarian unit. Uh, he was accepted, but put in the 16th Bavarian Reserve Infantry. And World War I is a major influence on Hitler's life. Now, he served his basic training without complaining. But he was always willing to offer his fellow comrades help. He spoke about the evil of tobacco and alcohol to his fellow soldiers. They liked him because of his drawings that he did for them. He would do sketches for them. Remember, he sketched and, and did a variety of things, you know, in his, in his youth and was trying to get into in the art school. So he really got along with his fellow soldiers. At one point during the trench duties in between 14 and 18, uh, he will have a dog. Somebody's going to steal from him. During World War I, Adolf Hitler repeatedly, repeatedly volunteered for hazardous duty. His first combat was October the 29th, 1914. Hitler's unit lost 3,000 of its 3,600 men after making five assaults on the enemy position. Now Hitler had one of his sleeves shot off. He walked out of a tent where he'd been talking with some men and a couple of seconds later a shell hits and blows at the kingdom come. And for his fighting in this unit, he was awarded the Iron Cross second class for bravery, bravery under fire, and he was promoted to corporal. So this is a well-deserved award. Later. He became a runner, which meant he moved messages from the rear to the front, and it's a very high mortality job, and he, and he liked it. He always liked that job. Then in December of 1914, when you have the famous Christmas truce on December the 25th, Hitler wouldn't leave his trench. 
And his comment was, such a thing should not happen in wartime. And then he told his buddies that participated that they were wrong to get involved. So no fun while the war goes on. Those are your enemies. Now, between 1914 and 1916, in the final stages of the Battle of the Somme, Adolf Hitler was wounded in the leg by a shell fragment. This sent him back to Germany to recover. And he's there for about five months. Hitler could have stayed back in Germany on light duty because of his wound, but demanded to be sent back to the front. So this is he's no shirker. You've got to give a, 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 a guy some due here for not being a chicken. A lot of people, you know, look for a way to get out of there. Then you're, you have Hitler back again on trench duty, and then he shows up again during the, of course, German offensives. Now, during the Ludendorff offensive, he was armed with a pistol, and he captured five French soldiers. And for that, he received the Iron Cross First Class. And you didn't get those at any time in the war for free. You can't dismiss his decorations. He wins the Iron Cross second class in 1914, first class in 1918. And then in mid-October, he got another battlefield decoration. But he's never promoted because he had a captain. Captain Fritz Wiedemann said he lacked the capacity for leadership. You just can't make those statements as the war turned against Germany. Uh, he believed that the pacifists and the shirkers, which are people trying to get out of duty, uh, were losing the war. And the thing that enraged him even worse is what is referred to as defeatism in the ranks. Uh, they're actually non-commissioned officers who said it was stupid to keep fighting. He beat one up. So we have a corporal beating up a non-commissioned officer and didn't get in trouble for it. He's a fanatic. The end of the war, Hitler was gassed by the British forces advancing near Ypres in mid-October 1918. It bloated his, his face up, and particularly his, his eyelids, constantly watering eyes, had a hoarse voice. He then had this terrible pain. He referred to it, quote, piercing pain in my eye socket. He hated leaving the front to go to the hospital. He considered it the happiest chapter in his life, being there, being something, being with people. You know, he had friends and he had comrades while he was in the war. He was not a loner. He had the respect of his fellow soldiers. He had purpose. By early November, Hitler's spirits had come back, and it was very common for people who had been gassed to plunge into depression because they're concerned about being blind the rest of their lives, on November the 9th, this is two days before the armistice, a local pastor came to the hospital and told the patients that on November the 8th that the Kaiser had abdicated and Germany was now a republic. And he told them that the war was lost. Defeat was followed by a humiliating peace at Versailles. The injustice of Versailles rankled with most Germans for the next 20 years. Unable to accept that the German army had lost the war, Hitler convinced himself that the soldiers had been stabbed in the back by communist revolutionaries and parliamentary politicians. The stab in the back, he believed, was part of a great Jewish conspiracy. 
suddenly Hitler discovered the greatest talent he possessed, the gift of public speaking. He joined a small group of fanatical nationalists in Munich. They became the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or Nazis. In 1921, Hitler became their leader.